Welcome back to One Nail at a Time, Insights for Building Your Patient's Medical Home. I'm Lori. And I'm Michelle, and we're with the Alberta Medical Association. And we are so excited to finally be bringing you this podcast today. We've been waiting <laughs> for time to bring this topic of the Community Information Integration Central Patient Attachment Registry Project. Wow. <laughs> I just like to call it CII CPAR. <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> yes. And this is actually such an exciting topic. We're doing two, two parts. So this is part one, where we interview the fabulous Dr. Heidi Fell, one of our very favorite physicians. And next time, we will be sharing stories from the field from a variety of physicians. Um, so you can get a sense of, of what it's like, what, what CIICPAR brings to a practice. Mm-hmm. And it's really timely uh, because now all five of the major EMRs in Alberta are ready to roll. So we've been waiting until the majority <laughs> of docs in Alberta, so that's primary care physicians and community specialists, could get signed up and, and ready to go. So uh, it was amazing for patients anyways. And of course, today we're broadcasting virtually because we're all housebound in the time of COVID-19. And we know that those docs who are signed up are seeing benefits in this time as well. Absolutely. So let's not wait. Let's hear what Dr. Heidi Fell has to say. Welcome to the show, Dr. Heidi Fell. We're so pleased to finally have you here. We've been looking forward to having you here for this conversation for quite some time. Uh, just before we get started today, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, Lori, and thanks for having me. Um, I'm Heidi Fell. I'm a family doc in Calgary, and uh, I work in a PCN, the Calgary Foothills PCN, as a PCN evaluator, a medical lead, and I'm also the AMA Informatics Committee Chair. Great. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us in this uh, time of COVID-19 when we are doing these podcasts virtually. So everyone should know we're all safely ensconced in our own home offices. And uh, this particular podcast, you're an expert in CIIC PAR. And so there are many listeners who probably don't know what that is. So other than another fabulous acronym to add to the many we already have, what exactly is CIIC PAR? So first of all, what does the acronym stand for? Well, CII is Community Information Integration, and CPAR is the Community Patient Attachment Registry. So what does that mean? Well, CII means that I can send some information from my EMR out in the community. Not all of it, just little bits, but I can send parts of my information from my EMR into NetCare for the first time ever. It also means that I can get some information back from NetCare in the forms of notifications, um, that tell me what's been happening to my patient through parts of the other system as well. Um, CPAR is, means that it collects the list of who is my panel and what's my panel. Well, my panel is my list of patients that I agree I look after them and they agree that I look, I look after them. So we agree that we're a pair. Okay? It keeps a list of who that panel is for me and keeps it centrally located so that they can use it to send things like notifications to me. So if one of my patients is in the hospital, they can tell me about that. If one of my patients is also seeing another doctor in the province and I didn't know about that and it's not appropriate, they can let me know about that so that I can work with the patient to figure out what's best for their needs. 
This sounds really wonderful. I used to work directly with clinics. And I always said if I had a nickel for every time a physician said that they wanted a reliable notice of a hospital admission or discharge. Uh, maybe I couldn't retire, but maybe buy myself a nice pair of shoes. So what finally happened that we have this technology? Well, I think it was the coming together of a few things. So the CPAR piece was actually uh, created by the PCNs through the AMA within the AMA agreement with Alberta Health. So the, we really, really wanted in primary care to be able to tell who our patients were and for the system to be able to tell who our patients were. So that was that part. The CII part, the government was quite interested in uh, getting more information out of primary care and filling the gap in the system that is primary care information. Because previously, if you went into net care, you would see lots of hospital information, some outpatient specialty information, uh, but you wouldn't see any information from primary care. And so uh, they really wanted to fill that gap, and there was a need from primary care to fill that gap as well. Uh, so it started there, and then the two projects kind of morphed together over time, and we also added in the ability to add specialty information into net care from the community as well, which was also a huge gap. Um, beforehand and actually was a, uh, the subject of a representative forum motion for the AMA that the specialty groups really wanted to be able to contribute to net care as well, but just weren't able to before this. So Heidi, if I'm a, a primary care physician and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I've got a lot going on. I'm busy. My clinic, my team, everybody's busy. Why, why would I get involved with this? What's in it for me as, as a doc? So I see CAI CPAR is kind of a natural extension of the medical homework that we've been trying to do in primary care already. So we've been working hard within our own clinics to try and identify who our patients are, make sure that we're providing kind of full spectrum care to our patients, making sure they're getting their screening, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but we've had no ability to indicate to anybody else, this is my patient. And so CPAR allows us to begin identifying to the system who those patients are. Now, it doesn't show up in net care yet, but it will soon. So if you go into net care, you'll be able to see who the CPAR physician is. Uh, if my patient goes to eMERGE right now, that eMERGE doc can see my patients when they've seen me last and what they saw me for. So they can say, oh, Dr. Fell's seen you a few times about your, your congestive heart failure lately. You know, she must have been worried about it. Okay, well, we'll make sure that she knows what we've done and what we've changed in order to do that. So it gives docs an opportunity to know that I'm their family doc, know a little bit about what I've been doing in the care for this patient, and uh, an opportunity to make sure that they can link that patient more safely back to me. Uh, when when they're finished with them. And the the most exciting part of that to me is that I've recently gotten e-notifications coming as well. And so now I get a notification when a patient comes, uh, has been to emergency or urgent care or hospital, I get a notification that that has happened uh, for me. So that gives me a whole new opportunity to know things about my patient's Instead of them coming in, sitting in front of me and saying, oh, yeah, I was in hospital. Didn't you know about that? Mm. You know, that used to drive me insane. And like, no, I did not know about that. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Whereas now 
I can actually find out about that uh, before they come to see me and I can intervene ahead of time if I need to. So I'm not getting a new pair of shoes is what Heidi is saying. (laughs) Maybe Adidas. (laughs) (laughs) So, so this is great. Like from your perspective, then you can see when your patients have been in to the emergency room. Um, But you did mention that that emergency room doc can see some of what you've been doing. So how much of what is in your EMR is now being shared. So just in case people are worried about, um, it's not the entire patient record that goes in. What what gets uploaded? Yeah, it's not even close to the entire patient record. So virtually everything in my soap note is, except for the assessment, is still confidential between myself and the patient. Mm-hmm. All that's put up there really is the booking reason. So the fact that they saw me, the booking reason, the assessment that I have put in my soap note, okay, so that they were there for an influenza-like illness right now, but they were COVID negative, for example, that might be the assessment. Um, and it also shows things like blood pressure, uh, their weight, any allergies that I might've recorded that visit, any new health problems that I might've recorded that visit. For example, if uh, I've diagnosed them with asthma and added that to their problem list, that will go up. Um, as well as any referrals that I've done. It doesn't contain the whole problem list yet, so that's something we're hoping to work on in the future. Um, It certainly doesn't contain all of the history that I know about the patient, but it does give a snapshot of how many times has that patient seen me in the last year and what for. Mm, What if I don't want my weight going up to net care, Dr. (laughs) Fell? So there are ways to protect the confidentiality of patients. Um, one of the simplest ways is to just put it in a different place in your EMR, because when you get trained for this, you get told very specifically which parts go up, which actual fields go up to net care from your EMR. And so the simplest way is to just not put it in one of those fields. A weight, I might want to put in there because it's a structured data element and I might want to be able to graph it. Um, So there are other methods. All of the EMRs allow you to mark a visit as confidential, and you can also opt out an entire patient, like if they don't want anything going up. There are ways to do both of those as well. So you absolutely can keep confidential information confidential. Good to know. Community specialists can also get involved. What uh, what's in it for for those physicians? So community specialists, it depends a bit if your pediatricians are a bit of a unique group. So I'll talk about them in a minute. But the rest of community specialists, uh, what CII offers to them is the ability to upload their consultation reports to NetCare. So the specialist gets full control over what, which consultations go up, which ones don't, so that they can decide which ones have value. If it's an initial consultation, they may put it up. If it's a follow-up consultation and it's very simple, they may decide that it doesn't have enough value to need to be put into net care, or it might. But they get full control over which ones go up. Um, if they're pediatricians, pediatricians sometimes also have a panel that they look after. So pediatricians can participate both as fam- the same as family docs do, uh, and they can also participate the same as other specialists do with the consultation 
uh, reports. So they're a little bit of a, of a mixed group that they can do all of it, but the rest of specialists, they can put it up. And some of the specialists are also using uh, CII, CPAR and those consultation notes to be able to get things like echocardiogram results and PFTs and things like that up that they haven't been able to get into Netcare otherwise for ages and are uh, sneaking it in through their consultation reports too. So that's been really welcome to add that collection of information to Netcare. Hmm. So, so far, so good. I don't know a clinic team that isn't crazy busy all of the time. So how much work is this to implement? Why is there going to be something after hearing all of these great stories that might be a barrier for me? What's the catch? Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Come on, it can't be this good or we'd all be doing it already, right? Yep. Well, the catch is that there are a few prerequisites to be able to participate in it. Um, one is that you have to have an up-to-date privacy impact assessment. And that's kind of a pain in the butt. Um, it does require some paperwork and things. It is something we're supposed to be doing anyway. So some of us, many of us have fallen behind in that responsibility because it is um, not our core business. We like to look after patients, not we, we think about privacy as part of our core business, but we don't like doing the paperwork associated mm-hmm. with privacy as part of our core business. Um, so, so that's one. Your PIA has to be up to date. Um, for CII CPAR, there's just an endorsement letter, but you can't find that letter until your own PIA uh, is up to date in your clinic. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is if you're going to be part of uh, CPAR, you have to be panel ready, which means you have to have done some basic cleanup work to your panel ahead of time so that you have at least an idea of who your patients are and you don't have, say, 10,000 inactive patients that are still listed on your panel. Um, you also have to be live on NetCare. So somebody in your clinic has to be using NetCare actively. And you also have to be using one of the EMRs that work with CII CPAR. And those EMRs so far are uh, MicroQuest, all three of the TELUS EMRs, so Wolf, MedAccess, and PS. And most recently, QHR has started uh, putting clinics live. So that's a Curo um, in its other, with its other name. Uh, they've just started getting clinics live on this as well. So those are the major EMRs within Alberta, but you'll notice there's others like Oscar, for example, and most notably Connect Care that aren't yet working on this. So those people, or if you're on paper, those people can't yet participate. Okay. But once my P is done, what was the workload there? Uh, so it, it depends a bit on how much support you have from your PCN staff. So my workload wasn't a lot in this because I have an office manager and I have PCN staff that all help to work through this. There is some paperwork that has to be done. So you have to sign something saying that you're interested and then you have to get everybody's, you know, account set up. You've got to get your panel number set up. You've got to have somebody there to submit your panel the first time, um, those kinds of things. So there is some administrative type work that can be done or that must be done before you go live. but that, you know, my work as a physician, honestly, I signed a couple of forms. Um, I had some background discussions that, yes, we want to go ahead and do this. Um, and then when we went live, I actually had to go ask if we've gone live <laughs> successfully or not, because it was completely transparent 
to me doing my day-to-day workflow. I couldn't, I couldn't tell. Uh, so I went, had to go to my panel manager and say, Hey, did it work? <laughs> and she's like, I think so. Uh, and yeah, then we were able to go to NetCare and say, Hey, yes, it did work. There's the information on the patients that I saw today. Um, so that was kind of cool. But, but you, you know, there is get, some work um, to do. Oh, yeah. You also get some monthly reports, right? So you'd know when those reports came in. What do those look like? Yeah. So those monthly reports, you get your panel report and your conflict report. And those show on them patients that are on your panel as well as on somebody else's panel. Ooh, I haven't had any of those yet because <laughs> there's not enough people around me that are on there. So those haven't been a lot of work so far because uh, there hasn't been anybody on them. Um, but I know in some areas of the province where clinics that are, there's two clinics in a town, for example, they mm-hmm. get a lot more uh, conflicts and there's more work that they have to figure out about who owns which patients and things. Mm-hmm. And then the other report is a report that has some demographic mismatches. Like if I've got the wrong name slightly for a patient or the wrong birth date kind of thing. And it also tells me if patients have um, died since the last time. I submitted it because there's not much worse than calling up a relative asking yeah. her to speak with their deceased husband or something. That's a pretty awkward conversation. So, so that gives us notice um, if somebody has passed away that uh, we can you know, deal with it appropriately and mark them as, as passed away within our EMR. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you were talking a bit about Net care, and, and that's obviously something that, you know, a lot of people are familiar with and are actively using in their clinics. Um, without getting too deep into the, the technology, what, what can we expect in the future with net care? So net care is not going anywhere, for mm-hmm. one thing. It's still a really, really critical part of taking care of patients in Alberta. And um, unless that changes drastically, Alberta net care is going nowhere. So it's going nowhere in the foreseeable future. It will still be there. Um, if anything, net care has been enhanced. It has additional information in it now because of CISEPAR and also because of connect care. So connect care will actually contribute more information to net care, not less information to net care. Uh, so everybody can rest assured that it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, technology. That's a whole other podcast we'll do one day. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have you back for that one. Uh, so we're going to hear a few stories from physicians and upcoming podcasts about their experience with CIICPAR. But do you have any comments on any, I know they're with some evaluation done on the early implementation. Any highlights to bring forward for our listeners? So this was an evaluation that was actually done by the Health Quality Council of Alberta. So it was an independent evaluation uh, that was done. And it was largely quite positive, actually. There was lots of positive highlights that came out of that. So it, it you know, as I said, it was a bit of work, but most physicians, by and large, were pretty glad that they participated. Most clinics were glad they'd participated. Uh, we were starting to see lots of uh, stories come out about value that it had provided to patients in terms of eMERGE docs that were being able to make better decisions. Um, this The evaluation came out just before e-notification started, so there wasn't a lot of work on that yet. But um, just that it was pretty well received by everybody that 
that did it. And by and large, it was worth the work that they'd put in. Um, and most people would recommend it to other physicians to participate. Fantastic. And I'm sure we'll hear more from our colleagues. Yes, yes, yes we will, for sure. And it sounds like e-notifications sound like they alone are a big hit so far. What, uh, what other features are being planned? So e-notifications are just in the process of rolling out. So they're in some EMRs and not all just yet. So that will keep rolling out to, to all of the conformed EMRs. Um, the next feature that is being planned currently is uh, the ability to upload a patient summary. So some of the limitations of the CED or Community Encounter Digest that we talked about before was that it didn't contain their whole problem list. Um, it, you know, it only contained the last year's visits, that kind of thing. Um, so this would allow you to put a curated patient summary up into NetCare so that, um, you know, as a family doc, most of us in the old paper days, it was the face sheet on the chart, whereas now it's the, you know, the problem list the past medical history, any surgical history, that kind of thing. And you would be able to put that up there after reviewing it together with the patient if you wanted with some additional notes as to maybe what had been tried in the past, what worked, what didn't work for this patient, that sort of thing. So that's the next planned feature is to be able to develop this patient summary so that it can be uploaded to NetCare. And um, I'm excited about that. Yes, it might be a little bit more work, but I see huge value in that for um, especially my more complex patients or even my patients that don't come by too often but have uh, a few things going on in the background. So so I think that will have a, um, quite a bit of clinical value attached to it. So Heidi, can I put your cell number and email into the show notes and docs can call you and get signed up? <laughs> Well, I can't help them do that. I can give them all the ideas about why it might be a good idea right now or it might not be a good idea right now. But basically, if they're part of a PCN, uh, they want to contact their PCN because their PCN will give them a bunch of help getting going on this. Um, what I think you are going to put in the show notes, though, is uh, for those of us that aren't connected with the PCN, uh, there is a website that gives the contact details for how to get started if you're a specialist. And so I think, Laura, you are going to put those in the show notes. Thanks. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Heidi. <laughs> yes, we will. And, you know, I'm, we love we love stories. We love stories at one nail at a time. So as we as we come to the close, would you be willing to share one of your stories that kind of highlights what what being part of CII CPAR has meant to you? Sure. So I'll I'll uh, share a story that just happened within the last couple of weeks, actually, after I started getting e notifications. And so this was a patient of mine who uh, is a young person, doesn't come in a whole lot, um, but I suddenly got three ER notifications from her within like five days. So she's been in Emerge five times. And uh, so in this case, I was able to call her up and say, hey, what's going on? Um, And so she had had a history of what's called cannabis hyperemesis syndrome. Basically, young people, especially who use cannabis on a daily basis, can end up vomiting constantly after a while to the point where they get dehydrated. And uh, she's had this in the past, but had not had a problem because she hadn't been using cannabis for a few years now, I think, actually. And um, but 
the start of COVID really increased her anxiety. And so she started using cannabis again to cope with the anxiety that she was having due to self-isolation from COVID. Uh, and so she'd ended up vomiting again and she needed to go into the eMERGE to get rehydrated essentially and to get medications to help her stop vomiting. Um, so she was actually really grateful that I called because she hadn't really thought about calling me and contacting me in this process. Um, and when I called her, we were just able to talk about, oh, your anxiety's come up. And we were able to identify that the anxiety was actually the root cause of this and, you know, able to schedule a couple of visits and, you know, give some simple tips and that sort of thing and um, put her in touch with some PCN uh, resources if she needed them to help with her mental health and uh, you know just really quite simply dealing with the underlying problem of the anxiety which of course didn't get addressed in the emergency visits you know certainly they addressed the cannabis use and she got off of that but um, we were able to address the underlying cause as to what had started this off so that hopefully it won't happen again because she's got other tools to deal with her anxiety now. Great. Well, definitely we see in that story what's in it for the patient. Yeah. <laughs> CIC per has some benefits there. So we, we like to finish off by asking our, our guest what your one best piece of advice would be for your colleagues that are perhaps considering getting involved in CIC par. I guess I would ask what, what do you have to lose by trying mm-hmm. it? I think you can always turn it off if you don't like it. You have confidentiality control over the information. Um, patients were surveyed before the AMA ever got involved with this and patients were incredibly supportive of this idea that the appropriate information needs to travel back to the family doc and needs to travel to the rest of the system from the family doc. So, you know, what do you have to lose? Yes, the PIA is the biggest time uh, commitment part of it. But if you have people to help you with that, if you have office manager, um, that sort of thing, there's lots of other reasons to update your PIA why not give it a shot? Dr. Fell, thank you so much for your time today and joining us to talk to us about this technology is really going to change how clinics operate um, and I think really enhance the relationship and continuity uh, for patients. So thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to hearing more stories from physicians in the field about how this is uh, improving their lives and the lives of their patients. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. Check out the show notes for links to the tools, resources, and websites that were referenced in this podcast. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, tell us what you thought and what you'd like to hear more about. And until next time, grab your hammer and keep building one nail at a time.